0: Everybody to Bethel O.K.C. If I didn't get a chance to meet you yet, my name is Rachel Wortman, and today we are talking about prayer. So before you shut down, and everybody's like, prayer. I know what that is. I do that, right? Uh, We're going to hopefully talk about some basics and talk about some things you maybe didn't know. That's my intention. If you're going, you know what, Rachel, everything in this message I've already heard before, that's great. Let it be a refresher where you're kind of checking yourself, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I have to go back to the basics and say, am I actually doing the things that I know? Amen? Sometimes we know it, but we just forget to do it. So today is one of those days where We're talking about prayer. And, you know, when God put this on my heart, I said, Lord, prayer, really? Everybody here knows how to pray or they know what prayer is and hopefully they do pray at some level. And the Lord reminded me that, you know, our vision for this year, this 2020 year of God's abundance in your life is going to come to pass when we partner in prayer with him. And so it makes sense that we pause to make sure we all know at least some things about prayer so we can usher in the promises of God in your life. Amen? So uh, in my conversation with the Lord, I said, Lord, talk to me about what prayer is like. And I felt like he, he showed me this analogy. When we go into a new year, and I know most of us have probably fallen off the wagon of all of our resolutions, so just remember three weeks ago when you thought there were things you were going to do that were fresh in your life. Um, so we, we put down these goals on paper. And the Lord said, you know, prayer is not just writing goals on paper. Prayer is more like marinating some meat. It's like when we're, we're putting a spice rub on a rack of ribs. You want to get it in there. You want to massage it. It's messy. You want it to sort of, for lack of a better word, bleed onto every area of your life. When we relegate prayer to what I've put down in bullet points on my paper, then we miss the transformational aspect of what God is getting at in us. Amen? We had a a tree in our backyard a few years ago, and most of you guys know that um, horticulture is not my strong suit. And uh, so we don't do, you know, I'm trying, I'm learning. Some of my plants lived this year, so praise God for that. Um, But this was still in my black thumbs season of life. So we had bought this house. It was new, so it didn't have any landscaping. And um, they said, you know, we'll, we'll buy you, with the package of the house, we'll buy you two trees. And I was like, yes, I have always wanted a magnolia tree. You guys know what those are? The really pretty white flowers. And I thought, that's what I want. I want a magnolia tree. So we picked one out. They planted it for us in the middle of the backyard, which was comical because kids and play sets and whatnot. But there it was right through my window. And it was beautiful. And then it began to die. And I was like, no, God. I actually wanted this one to live. So I did what I knew how to do, which is not planting. And I would talk to the tree. Come on. You can do this. Find a will to live. I want you in my life. You know, it wasn't working. It continued to die. And, um, and I just gave up. I totally gave up hope. I kind of threw my arms up. I just told Grant, you know, don't remind me next time never to buy anything that's alive. Because unless they're humans, it's not going to work well. And um and so then, as luck would have it, uh, and I think it was a year later, the tree had shriveled up. It was dead, beautifully in the middle of our yard, a dead tree. And one of the microbursts with tornado season came along and shaved the tree at the ground line for us. It just took the tree right out. And we were like, well, we don't even have to remove it. So I guess, thanks, Lord. That was nice. So they're still buried in there, the roots of this beautiful tree that once was. So a few years later, we were building the house that we're in now, and we were at Markham's Nursery, and we were talking with one of the tree specialists, and I'm telling him, listen, what is going to live? Point me to the trees that are going to live if I speak to them, because that's the extent of my gardening abilities. And he said, well, what did you have before? I said, I had this magnolia tree I wanted so badly. And he said, well, what kind of pecans did you put in the ground? I said, excuse me? And he goes, what kind of pecans? I said, what are you even talking about? Are we speaking the same language? And he said, when you have a magnolia tree, you're supposed to put pecan shells in the ground. Now, if this is news to all of you, thanks a lot. That's all I have to say, but uh, I'm just kidding. So he said, you know, you got to put these shells in the ground so that when it rains, the water, actually, the shells become like tea bags, and they release nutrients into the soil that the magnolia tree needs to live. And he said, they're about $2 for the bag. And I'm going... oh Lord, help me remember to forgive this person because this is the most simple act that could have saved my beautiful tree. I also found out that you can overwater them and they don't need that much water and our tree was right in the middle of the drainage of the whole yard. That's probably what killed it, but there you go. So now if you guys have a magnolia tree, buy yourself some pecan shells and it will flourish. Um, But I was thinking about this in the context of prayer and you know, sometimes we are doing everything we know how to do. But we're missing one key component that's actually cheap. It's not hard. It's just one action. And so that's my heart with today's message is that as we dive into the specifics of prayer, we can actually see what's, what's something that you're missing. Because every single one of you is called by God to have a prayer life that is effective. Every single one of us is called by God to do what the Bible tells us, to ask in his name and actually see it come to pass. The truth of the matter is, as believers, we often don't have that as in our lives. We often are praying and praying and praying, and we're missing a little bag of a dollar's worth of pecan shells to make those prayers really take flight. So I want to pray as we dive into the specifics, um, no pun intended, because I, I want to really make sure we're catching what is God's heart. So Holy Spirit, we're just asking that you direct us this morning Father, as we talk about prayer, we want to hear what is your heart, and I'm asking for open eyes, open hearts, open ears to catch that key that uh, we need in our lives, and it might be different for everyone. So Lord, I'm asking that you would deposit in us what we need so that our prayers can become effective as we move across this year. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is prayer? Like on the very basic level, what is prayer? Let's talk about a couple different things prayer is. The first one is conversation. This is one that we know. I remember being in high school, and there was a a tool they taught us in our youth group where you were supposed to sit a chair across from you and pretend like Jesus was sitting in that chair. Has anybody heard that before? Anybody ever heard that analogy? One of you. Great. Awesome. A couple of you. Thanks. Uh, And I remember thinking to myself, I would be so embarrassed to do that. That would be so awkward to look at a chair. But the truth is, a lot of us, when we pray, actually think we're just throwing words into the sky, and no one's actually hearing them. And so, there's an element to prayer that is conversation. It's you're actually talking to God. God is everywhere. He's everywhere. He's sitting on every molecule in the air, He is permeating everything around you. If you are saved, He is inside of you, He's outside of you, He's moving in and out of you, He's everywhere. And so, when we are praying, we're actually speaking directly to the Lord. Amen. It's conversation. Prayer is also communion. It's, it's the, the moments where your emotions are feeling something that your brain can't find words for. That is also prayer. Today we're not really talking about the gift of intercession because that might be for some and not all. We're talking about prayer which is for everybody. No one is exempt. So it's communion. It's also asking for things but it's not just asking for things. When I was growing up, I thought that prayer was asking for something and hoping it would come true, and I hadn't really understood the dynamic of the conversation around it. So I would do things like put out an impossibles list. Anybody know what that is? Where you say, okay, God, this could never happen in my own life, so you know, do this for me. And this is a total tangent, but when I was in eighth grade is when I learned about this. and uh, No, seventh grade. And I was... Um, quantifiably obsessed with Prince William, the future king of England, as all girls were in the 90s when I was that age. And, um, and so I remember putting on my impossibles list, I want to meet Prince William. Now, adult me would say, uh, I want to become his friend or something like that. But in my mind, I was thinking if I could just meet him, he would be like, oh, that's it, you're the future queen. I I don't know. That was what I was actually thinking at the time. So I made this impossibles list, you know, this, my dad wasn't saved, I wanted to see my dad get saved, and I want to meet Prince William. These things on my list, so embarrassing. Anyways, here's how good God is, even when we ask for crazy stuff. A year later, my family, we were on a ski trip in Canada, and as it would happen, Prince Charles had brought Prince Harry and William to Canada to ski, and they were coming to Vancouver the day we were leaving Vancouver, and my dad handed me the newspaper, and there was his picture, and I just was like, Dad, if you love me at all, we will stay in Vancouver and not go to the next part of our trip, because I have got to meet him. I mean, like, this is amazing, and my dad goes, would you just keep reading the article, and then it says that they were going from Vancouver to where we were going to be. This was it, guys. Future Queen of England was about to set foot, and my 14-year-old self, I was going, God, I don't know if I believed in you before, but I believe in you now, because you are the God the impossible i'm being silly but that's actually how i felt and um anyways the, two days later i happened to be at the right place at the right time and got to watch him walk by about eight feet from me with my point and click you know k- 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 like camera And i'm like oh my gosh there's not enough time to get all the pictures that i want two of them were blurry one came out of this part of his face praise god i had it on my wall all until i went to college that's embarrassing but it is true And here's why I tell you that. Because so much of prayer, of what we think, is this Hail Mary type. You could never do, you know, I could never believe you to do this, but God does, and he can. And if you want to make an impossibles list, You go for it. And if yours has meeting the future king of England, please take me with you. That's all I have to say. I am happily married. I don't want to be his wife, but I do want to be his friend. So uh, someday if you catch me and I have a photo, you'll be like, there is a God. Um, Anyways, total tangent for you. So, impossibles list. So, prayer is actually, in my opinion, that part of prayer is like so minute compared to the part where we are asking God and we are participating with him and he is rapid fire moving on our behalf. Right? If he can move on my behalf to get me in the same place as Prince William, he can move on your behalf to get you a job that pays for your bills. (laughs) right? He can move on your behalf to help you find someone in your life to mentor you, find someone, uh, uh, bring a breakthrough in a relationship with your family. Whatever you need, he can and he will do. We're going to talk about how to see that happen in a minute. I want to talk for a few minutes about a lot of different scriptures. There's so many, I don't have them on the screen. But if you're a note taker, these are some really good scriptures related to prayer that I encourage you to write down to spend some time thinking about in the course of this week. And the first one is a story that you guys know, and it comes from Luke chapter 18, and it's uh, verse 6 and 7. This is the end of the story of the persistent widow. And so if you guys don't know the story, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples about prayer, and he told them a parable. And the parable was about this woman who was a widow. In this day and age in Israel, if you were not married as a woman, you had no voice. You had no one to advocate for you in the community. So this story is about someone who had injustice done to them and had no way to make it right. That's the context of it. And so the story goes on to say that she pestered this judge every day until he finally gave her what she wanted because, and I quote, he was annoyed. And then Jesus goes on to say this in 6 and 7. The Lord continued, Did you hear what the ungodly judge said, that he would answer her persistent request? Don't you know that God, the true judge, will grant justice to all of his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and give you what you ask for. Jesus talks about prayer as a persistent thing, that it's something that we do on like a, a repetitive basis. And what he's pointing to is, if an ungodly person is moved to respond by repetition, how much more is God, who loves you and wants good things for you, going to respond to you through repetition? Another one to look at is Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 11 through 13. And this is the story, I believe Grant might have talked, talked about this recently, um, where it says, uh, if you ask for a, uh, bread and they give you a stone. It's that verse, right? And so at the end of this, Jesus says, a good father is not going to give you a snake when you ask for a fish. In other words, when we talk about prayer, what we're asking for, God is not going to trick you. He's not going to be deceitful in how he responds to you. This is so important for us to understand how God is and how we are And the alignment of the two, because when we're in that place, prayer begins to flow, and it actually begins to work on your behalf. John 14, verse 12 through 13, and also John 16, verse 23, talks about when Jesus says, Whatever you ask for in my name. Now, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we think if we just tack on in Jesus' name, then we'll get whatever we're asking for. Lord, I want a Range Rover in Jesus' name. Done. It doesn't work like that. That's not what it's talking about. And when he says, in my name, one of the beautiful things is the action of being in his name. This is what I want us to see about this verse today. That when we are asking for something, and Jesus says in these verses, whatever you ask for in my name, what he's talking about is the position of yourself inside of the position of him and asking from that place. I think it's Psalm 16. I wasn't going to share this one, but um, it talks about the boundary lines being drawn in pleasant places. There's something about our relationship with God when we understand where we are with him and we stand in that place and we proclaim and ask out of that spot that heaven and earth is moved to respond for us. So it's completely changed the way that I pray when I say in Jesus' name. Now I'm actually saying when I say in, I picture myself standing in him. Because we are one, right? He's in me, I'm in him. And so it has brought so much life to my ability to pray, to be able to say, all right, Jesus, you know, my friend is sick and I'm standing in your name, releasing healing towards them. Lord, I need a breakthrough over here in my finances. And so in your name, in the place of who you are as a provider, I'm asking for you to, you see what I'm saying? It's a little bit different than just like an alley-oop on the end. Like, let's double or nothing, Lord, come on, in your name, right? It's not like that at all. It's a positioning, whatever you ask for in my name. Uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, you guys are probably familiar with this. This is the Lord's Prayer. So here's what's happening. The disciples are going, what gives, God? When you pray, everything happens. When I pray, maybe 50-50. So what are you praying that's making you have this fruitful ministry? And Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you ought to do it. Our Father in heaven... Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You guys know this scripture? And what he's saying is he's walking them through. It's a circle. I want us to see it as a circle. First, we acknowledge who God is. Our Father in heaven, your name is holy. In other words, I am aligning myself under the fact that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God, this is your world. So when I pray, this is where I start. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And at this point is when I give my will up to receive his will. Amen? At this point is when I say, I'm aligned with who you are, and I'm rejecting what I want, and I'm trusting that when I'm in you, the things that I want are in there as well. I'm giving my will to you to take care of. So, uh, so he says, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. And then he says, on earth as it is in heaven. And then he goes on to say, and here's what you can do. I'm paraphrasing. And he says, forgive those who trespass against you. Right? Keep, uh, give us this day our daily bread. Focus on what God is doing today. Forgive those who um, sin against you. I'm getting all the translations jumbled in my brain. And then he goes, for yours is the kingdom. And so here we are back in this circle, and this is what I want us to see. When we are aligned in who God is, we are able to pray effectively because we're actually praying his will and not ours. Amen. We only have one small part to, p- to play. It's keep our heart clean. The rest is on God. The rest is God, what do you want to do? And if I keep my heart clean, if I tend to myself, and I'm you know, doing what you've asked me to do in obedience, then it's like this like, channel of energy, for lack of a better word. just the, the, All of heaven is like whoo, released through those prayers. Um, another great one on prayer, Matthew 6, 5. So right before he talks about the Lord's Prayer, he talks about being sincere and humble when you talk to the Lord. Again, that's how we deal with our heart. Okay, James five sixteen. You guys are probably familiar with this one as well. The prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. The prayers of a righteous man. What does this mean? Who is righteous? Those who don't sin? You could make a case for that. But really, righteousness is a gift of your salvation. It's a gift of Jesus. So when you are in him, you are righteous. Did you screw up that morning? probably, but you're still considered righteous by him, right? So what he's talking about here, again, is the posture of your heart. The prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. When we are postured in the name of God, in his purposes for ourselves, those prayers, they work. They work powerfully. They work effectively. Psalm 18, um, I want to read this one to you. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible, and we actually touched on this in worship um, and this is such a good, this is one of my personal life verses. And this comes from King David. He was dying. He was in a really bad spot. And this is a prayer that comes from him. And in verse 6, Psalm eighteen six, David says, In my distress, when seemingly closed in, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, his heavenly dwelling place. And my cry came before him, Into his very ears. This is a really cool word picture. Here you are in despair. You're crying out to God. And if we could picture it like this, our words actually become substance that somehow go into God's ears. He actually hears what we say. This goes back to when we're having the blank chair in front of us that this is God's heart for us, that we would understand when we speak to him, he's actually soaking it in. I want us to look at this um, in the Passion Translation really quick and this is what it says I cried out to you in my distress the delivering God and from your temple throne you heard my troubled cry my sobs came right into your heart and you turned your face to rescue me I love that when when we are in need our cry goes right into his heart it moves him so why are we looking at all these different scriptures I, I alluded to this a moment ago but Our posture and our understanding of who God is absolutely determines the effectiveness of how we pray. It absolutely determines if our prayers get answered. Graham Cook, one of my heroes, he puts it like this. He talks about um, when we're praying and our prayers are not getting answered, we need to continue to adjust what we're praying for. We take it into conversation and we say, Lord, am I asking for the right thing? And I love how he says sometimes God goes, hotter. Warmer, warmer. You're getting really close. Okay, that's one I can answer. Here you go. That's the picture of prayer. That's why it's conversational. That's why it's relational, because sometimes where we start is Lord, I, I want this thing in my life. I want a new job. Let's just take that one. That's a common one. I, I need a new job, God. I'm asking for that. And the Lord's going, I can't answer that for you yet. Because there's other stuff going on in here. So then the question becomes, why can't I have a new job? Well, let's talk about what's going on in your heart. Let's talk about what your calling is. Lord, if I was going to get a new job, what would it be? Warmer. You guys tracking with me? And then we get to the question that he is able to release. And then life begins to change and the abundance begins to take shape. Amen? I want that for you in your life. I want that for me in my life as well. All right, so prayer is conversation that leads to action. It's, it's, it's always, it always has an action component to it, whether that's upgrade in your understanding of God, upgrade in your understanding of yourself, whatever the revelation may be, prayer is conversation that leads to action. It's not just a transaction, it's transformation, amen? It's, it's a give and take. And um, also I wanted to say that prayer gives God permission to move. Sometimes when we're asking or we're hoping, We're in the realm of hope, and we're saying, God, I hope you would fix this for me. And he's going, start praying. That pulls heaven so I can actually do something in your life. And so prayer gives God permission to do that. All right, I want to talk about some specifics um, as we get close to wrapping up our time. How do I pray? Like, what do I actually do when I pray? Is anybody familiar with crafted prayers? Is anybody familiar with that? So a crafted prayer is basically a conversation you have with God that you write down and it becomes what you pray. So uh, I've done this a lot in my life. It's a really powerful tool. If you have like an impossible situation in your life, maybe that's health, marriage, something that you're going, this is is not going to happen on a one prayer. I mean, it could because God can do all things, but it's probably going to take some massaging, some mess, right? So a crafted prayer is great for that. It's getting before God and saying, Lord, what do you want in this situation? Writing that down and then praying that over and over again. It keeps you focused on the prayer. So crafted prayer is a great one. Repetition. We've talked about this with the parable of this persistent widow. So um, when we were in Waco years ago, our church that we were a part of is a big missional church. They have church plants all over the world. And um, while we were serving on staff there, the 1040 window was uh, very untouched by the gospel. And it was a big passion to our staff at the church. So the 1040 window speaks to the longitude and latitude on the map. And it's actually the Middle Eastern world, if you're not familiar with that. So our staff, most of our staff had an alarm on their watch that would go off at 1040 every morning and 1040 every night. And it was a trigger to pray, God, give us the 1040 window. Lord, we want to see the 1040 window be lit up with the gospel. These are repetitive prayers. Interestingly enough, they had been praying this for decades, and um, we actually happened to be in a Middle Eastern nation, one, on a mission trip, Grant and I, and this wasn't about us, we were just lucky to get to be in the country at the time, where some missionary friends of ours saw their first salvation. They had been ministering in the Middle Eastern world for over 12 years. They'd never seen someone get saved, and there was the first salvation. And in the subsequent years, there was uh, hundreds of thousands of people who got saved, Um, And you probably have heard a lot of those stories. This was, I don't think it was the only catalyst, but it was a catalyst of what God is doing in the Middle Eastern world. The stories are insane about people who are Muslim having dreams of a man in white who turns out to be Jesus. And a lot of people get saved almost in their dreams before they get saved in real life. It's, It's fascinating. And it makes me go back to that little beep, 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 beep. God, give us a 1040 window. Lord, this is what we're believing for. I'm not saying it was all our prayers. People all over the world were praying for this, and it was such a big deal on God's heart. What I am saying is that repetitive prayer works, especially when it's a prayer that is what God wants to do. So right now in my life, I've got three things the Lord told me He wanted me praying for regularly. I got a little card on my bathroom mirror, so in the morning, at night, and any time I'm in my bathroom, I see that uh, card, and that's what I'm praying for. Lord, give me that. Lord, give me that. It's not give me that, like, I want something fancy. It's, Lord, bring that into the earth, Right? God, give us a church. This is one of my prayers. God, give us a church that is so hungry and passionate that transformation just bleeds out of us. Lord, the hopeless, the broken, the addicted, they come and they get a breakthrough right away. That's what I'm talking about, right? We set an alarm to it on our watch and we're going, God, Oklahoma City is a catalytic city. Lord, there's so many prophetic words about Oklahoma being the center of a revival. Bring us the revival. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about what God wants to do, and as we are persistent and we are repetitive, it moves heaven on our behalf, amen? Conversation, prayer, we talked about that. Um, I love to sit with the Lord and say, what do you want me to pray about that? It is one of the best questions you can ask, and he will answer you, and it's, it's amazing to say, all right, that, that's what you want me to pray for, I'll do it, and then when you see those prayers get answered, oh man, it's exciting, it's electric, um, declaration prayer, when we are releasing declaration from a place of authority. So um, we don't have authority over all things, right? But there are things we do have authority over. If you own your home, for example, you have authority over your home and the land that you're on. Um, I wasn't going to share this story. It's a little graphic. But um, we, when we moved into Oklahoma City for the first time, we bought this house with the magnolia tree um, that no one had lived in before. And I, I immediately, and I'm kind of a spiritually sensitive person, but I immediately started having when we moved in, These pictures of this crime being committed, and I couldn't shake it. And it was like I began to have this fear of that happening to me. And I'm going, this is so weird. I never struggled with this before until I was on this house, like in this house. And Grant and I had been praying, and we were asking God, would you reveal this? And this went on for about two weeks. There was some really crazy stuff that happened um, that fed into this fear. And so I said, we got to break this off. I don't know what this is. we got to break it off. So we sat down together one night, and I I don't want to say to you, when you hear stories like that, they sound so eloquent, but in real life, they're pretty awkward, wouldn't you say? It's like when you sit down to talk about that; it's not always as effortless as we sum it up in this moment. So, if you're going, "Oh, me and my husband are going to do this," and you sit down, you're like, "Wow, who, why would anybody want to do this?" You're not alone. We all feel awkward when we try to like bring the spiritual into the marriage. So, just so you know, um, so we prayed, and I just had this picture that there was this crime that had happened on our land um, that had opened up a, a, a for lack of a better word, it opened up the enemy to be, yeah, that's that's a way to describe it, um, but it opened up, like, it left that, that residue on the land, you know? It was like a connection to the spirit realm, and so I'm going, well, I don't want that. I don't want my kids raised in that. I don't want to be, like, tormented by that. I married this guy who's very uh, unafflicted by those types of things. So he was like, I mean, I, I don't really care. And I'm like, I care, help me, right? And so we sat down and we prayed and we have authority over the land because we own the house. This is why I'm saying this. And so we said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, this spirit, whatever this is, has no place to continue to affect our life. We cleanse this land in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for you to release your angels over this property, every inch of our property, so that the presence of God would be What's known here, not the presence of any unclean spirit. Are you guys tracking with me? Man, it took two minutes, boom, never again had that thought. Never again felt that. And it broke it because we had authority to do that. So when we release a declaration in prayer over your family, over your workplace, what you have authority to do, whoo, it is so important. Have you ever showed up to your job and you're like something ain't right here? everybody's having a bad day, everybody's on edge, or whatever the case may be, you, because you work there, you have permission to release something there that's good. Uh, I was in a store the other day, and I was having a great day, and I walked by this person and just felt this sadness wash over me. I wanted to crawl in a hole and cry. And I'm like, what in the world? And I had to remind myself, okay, I'm coming under the influence of something else, but I have authority over my atmosphere, so I'm releasing a declaration that the, the, that the atmosphere of heaven is what I'm carrying, not heaviness, not brokenness. You guys tracking with me? All right, um, listening prayer. This one's a great one. It's just the act of listening. Uh, there's two others I want to ca- talk about. So scripture. Is anybody familiar with the idea of praying scripture? You guys know this? There are over 30,000 promises in the Bible. And actually, they're all for you. Did you know that? If there's a promise in the Bible, you can have it. You just got to ask God, can I have it now or later? That's one of those things where it's like warmer, 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 right? We want to be in line with what he's doing. But there's 30,000 promises. So I love to pray scripture over my family, over you guys, over wherever I am. One of my favorites is, um, I believe it's in Zephaniah, and it says, uh, that zeal for their house would consume them. You guys know that scripture? I pray that over my kids all the time, Lord would zeal for your house consume them, that they would just be swept away with how amazing you are with your church, with your bride, with your people. I pray over my kids, Matthew 5, 8, that the pure in heart would see God, that they would find themselves being so pure. I'm praying it right now so you can see what it's like, right? I pray over my friends, Lord, that they would find the, the abounding love that Philippians talks about, that the love they feel for themselves and for you would just continue to multiply in their life. Lord, for my husband, I am praying for wisdom and favor, for knowledge. You see what I'm saying we pray the scripture it's a win-win all the time so if you don't do this already and you've got kids in the home I highly recommend to you every month or two sit with the Lord God what's the scripture I'm supposed to pray over my kids right now Lord, and, and even if you don't have kids in the home, it applies, right, for those of you guys that your kids are grown. Uh, I've, I've heard so many people that are uh, have adult kids say to me in the last three weeks, I thought parenting would be done when they were out of the house, and I was so surprised how much my kids still need me. My mom reminds me of that all the time. It's really beautiful. Thanks, Mom. She's like, wow, I thought by now we'd just be friends, but, man, you need a lot from me. I'm like... <laughs> do I? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) kidding. Um, But it's true. There's something about parenting, and and there's a place as a parent, no matter what season you're in, to continue to shower your children with scripture. Um, And then the last type of prayer is warfare prayer. We're not going to talk a lot about that. There's actually some um, stuff on our podcast about spiritual warfare if you're interested in that. So three things I want us to watch out for as we're praying. And when we talk about prayer in the church setting, usually these three things don't get talked about. So this is really important. The first one is manipulation. Manipulation is not from God, right? So what's in the kingdom of God, what's in the Bible, who he is, what he's like, that's what we want on the earth. And if it's not there, we don't want it on the earth, right? I was thinking about, uh, well, okay, I'll shoot that rabbit. Okay, here we go. Uh, So years ago, when we were in Waco, Uh, We had been asked to come on staff with the church to help start a training school. It was a discipleship school for out-of-high school seniors or, I guess, freshman age in college. And it was an amazing opportunity. We were working with a different pastor, and we were going to be training them on discipleship stuff. Like, cool, right? But the church was large, and we had a limited budget, and there was not money to make that a job that could pay. So what they did was, if you could raise support, you can do this job and work for the church, but your money comes from generous donations from people. So I had never been in a place in my life where I needed anyone to help me financially, and this was like my nightmare self coming to life. And um, my full-of-faith husband was like, no big deal, and I was like, "Ah, yeah. Inside, I was like, OMG, Lord, I have got to see you come through. And so I would be praying, and I started begging Sometimes when we're begging and we're desperate like we read in Psalm 18, that's fine. But when we're begging God to do something he's already promised to do, now we're like out of alignment, okay? So he promises in Matthew 6, he says, don't worry about finances. Don't worry about provision. And here I am wringing my hands like like trying to come up with what I could convince God to move on my behalf for. Here's what it looked like. Lord, if you provide these finances, I promise I will spend time with you every day for the rest of my life. I don't even know. This was such garbage thinking. I'm sorry if that's something you've thought. I don't mean that offensively to you, just about myself. Um, And I would, and then uh, like, that didn't seem to move. So then a couple days later, I'm like, what else could I pray? Lord, I promise I will give you everything in my life. You know that prayer that Hannah prays? If I can have this kid, I'll give him to you. I'm like, I I was, you know, thinking about having a baby. And I'm like, do I have the guts to do that? I'm like going through my mind, you know. And I was bargaining with God. And so uh, I'm, I'm in this, this was weeks go by, and I'm just just trying to manipulate the crap out of him, excuse me. And I don't know why, but I didn't realize that was what was going on. So all these weeks go by, and I'm praying, and God interrupts me, and he says, Hey, you need to stop manipulating me. What, Lord? (laughs) I'm not manipulating you. And he goes, Oh, yes, you are. And he said, You need to stop. You need to stop manipulating me. And he immediately reminded me when I was in high school, and I would play this game with my dad. And with my dad, it wasn't a bad game, but I was putting it on God, and it was out of bounds for God. Here's how it would go. I'm going to the movies, and I'm like, hey, Dad, could I have some money to go to the movies? And he goes, yeah, he'll give me like 10 It which back then was a lot of money for a movie, right? Now it can't even get your ticket. But, um, And I would say hey, you know, you are the best dad in the world. And he'd reach in his wallet and he'd grab an extra like five bucks to give to me. And it was a game we played. It was sweet. It was something fun. And he would let me flatter him to give me something, right? Uh, All you dads of daughters, you know, it's just how it is. Well, God was saying to me, I don't work like that. You're taking a worldly thing and you're asking me to subject myself to us and it's not to that and it's not gonna happen. I said, well, how do I pray? If I'm not flattering you, if I'm not begging you, if I, what, what do I do? And he began to show me how to ask for things in alignment without manipulating him. So we have to be careful when we're praying that we're not stepping out of his bounds. Does that make sense? That we're not manipulating him. That we don't feel obligated to bargain with him when he has already promised to do what he said he's going to do. He is so good. He is so faithful. He will do what you need without you having to wring his arm to do it. Amen? That's his nature. And I think, and I, take this with a grain of salt, but I think sometimes when we're so focused on this manipulation, it actually holds up his provision. Because we're not looking for it. We're not sitting, we're not waiting for it. Does that make sense? Don't, don't take that all the way to the bank, but that's, that's my opinion. A second thing we got to watch out for, and this is interesting, um, Christian witchcraft. Now, I just said something really bold. Let me back it up and explain it. So, uh, there's a, you guys know what control is? Like, in the counseling psychology world, nobody likes control. We consider it toxic. It's a bad thing. And in the kingdom of God, there is no legal control except for self-control, right? God tells us, you can't control anybody else. I'm not trying to control you. The only person you can control is yourself. So, control can be, it's not always, but it can be an unclean spirit, like a demonic spirit. And when we partner with control, what it is doing is basically trying to say, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. And that is the same thing as witchcraft. So witchcraft is Ouija boards, you know, tarot cards, psychics, all that stuff, necromancy, all that stuff that's in the Bible. It's that. And it's also manipulative control. It's actually the same spirit behind that. So here's where this gets tricky. When we're praying, and we will only pray our will, we have the potential to step out of bounds and start really releasing control instead of the presence of God. Okay? Now, I'm not telling you these two things to say don't pray or wait till you're perfect. That's not going to happen. But that we're mindful of it. Why is it so important when Jesus said your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus, God, was saying, I'm actually moving my will aside so that God can have his will. When we're in that mentality, we're, we're clear of praying control-based prayers. Does that make sense? That's sort of our safety net, for lack of a better word. We don't want to be releasing uh, um, Christian witchcraft, for lack of a better word, over people by saying, you know, well, you need to just be doing this, and I'm praying that for you, Right. It's kind of like saying to somebody, I'm praying for a spouse for you. And they're going, I don't want to be married. I don't. I have no need to be married. I feel great. And it's like, no, you're going to be married because that's what I want for your life. So I'm praying that. And so you kind of step back and you go, well, is that a prayer that God wants to? Do you see what I'm saying? All right, so we're going to watch out for manipulation, for control. And the last one is so important. It's despair. Proverbs tells us that the hope deferred, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we're not seeing our prayers get answered... It causes some crazy stuff to happen in our spirit. Amen. And I want to encourage you guys as you're going for it in your prayer life this year, guard yourself against that despair feeling that feels like God is not moving on your behalf. He's not doing what you you want Him to do. If you start to feel that way, what you do is you come back into alignment with Him. Am I asking for the right thing, Lord? Is this even the prayer you want me praying for my life right now? Sometimes we are so convinced of what we think we need. And God is going, you might need that, but you really need this over here. And if this comes into your life, all of this just begins to flow. And so that's why, again, I, I could just harp on this all day, why it's so important to be in line with him. So we want to just guard ourselves from despair, from disappointment, all that kind of stuff. If that's something that you have experienced in your life, um, it can actually become like a stronghold. I'm not necessarily saying it's demonic. I'm saying it's it's mental. It's like fortified, stronghold neuropathways in your mind. And it can rob you of your faith. And so I've been there. I've been there in a lot of ways. In fact, the, the book that I wrote that we talked about a couple weeks ago, a lot of that is my story of getting to a place of, of just hopelessness with God, of all the things he wasn't doing that I was asking him to do. Um, and so I'd love to pray for you if that's in your, in your life right now. All right, so let me sum it up. Four keys to praying. Number one, alignment matters. Amen. Alignment matters, that our heart posture with God matters. Uh, number two, it's not just transaction, it's transformation. When we are asking God to do something for us, expect him to transform you in that process. It's never a God this and then that happens without you being affected at all. He always transforms us when he's, um, when he's creating transactions with us. Uh, again, number three, and it's, it's on there twice, posture matters. Your heart posture matters matters, that your heart is clean so that you can see God um, move on your behalf. And then number four, prayer gives God permission to move. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put on a little music and we're going to take a moment to really just give you guys an opportunity to pray whatever needs to be prayed. If you need to clean up a little bit in your heart, repent for something, do that. If you know that you're asking God for something in 2020, this is a good time to ask him, how can I pray for that? What is the right prayer in this season? Now, for the next three weeks, it might be one thing, and then it might be something else come the end of the spring, right? That's the transformation process that he does, so that's normal. Um, we also, if you didn't have communion during worship, we have communion in the back for you. So I would encourage you, if you're you know, just processing with the Lord, God, how do I have a more dynamic prayer life? Um, grab communion, take it to your seat, and just connect with him and, and have a conversation with him. So I'm going to pray so we can sort of... Um, Yeah, just prepare our hearts for what he wants to do. We're going to take about, I don't know, two minutes or so to uh, minister to the Lord, let him minister to us, and then we'll wrap up. So Lord, I just pray over every person in here that we would be the kind of people who are dynamic, energetic, electric in our prayer life, that it's not boring or dull, but it is actually um, alive and active. Lord, I'm asking that you would show us how to pray in this season. And so Lord, we just come before you. We ask you to show us what needs to be cleansed in our heart what needs to be confessed. And Lord, we invite you to come and speak and lead us in Jesus' name, amen. So again, there's communion in the back if you want it. Um, You can come up to the front if you'd like to. We're gonna take just a moment or two to connect with the Lord.